This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 69, with Dinesh Cannon Charter. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. The fantastic show for you and in today's show we're going to be discussing how to create and build and structure a sales organization that drives growth in your business. We're going to look at social media, we're going to talk about marketing strategies, and we're going to be discussing a sales infrastructure and how to implement tools and processes within the sales infrastructure that aligns with the strategic targets and priorities of your business. And then we're also going to be looking at some management aspects, discussing how to build high-performance, efficient effective and productive teams. My guest today is Dinesh Kandanchada. Now Dinesh is a founder, mentor, speaker, and above all a entrepreneur on fire. Dinesh encourages founders to ask the right questions, navigate challenging decisions, and find the tough answers that are sometimes difficult to face. As someone that's built, bought, sold, and led, and invested in over 13 companies, Dinesh knows what it takes to transform a business. He loves capitalism, and he loves the prospect of a business connection even more. As an entrepreneur and operator of Macadamian, he leads business development at one of the hottest product consultancies in Canada. As a speaker and a mentor, he provides actionable insight to fellow leaders growing their businesses, shedding light on the nuances of product creation, organizational leadership, sales management, product marketing, contract negotiations, public relations, and more. Dinesh has found that some of his most valuable business relationships always started casually, even at a local shop. He believes every meeting and interaction is an opportunity, and even a single cup of coffee has the power to change your business. He believes in transformative coffee. A big lesson Dinesh learned early in his career was the money that you earn is a measure of the value you create for customers and not an outcome. An MBA later and a PhD from the School of Hard Knocks, he has created a ton of value with some awesome people. Before we get to my interview with Dinesh, please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter. I'm at at MCLobsher or by email, info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, 
to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. As some of my listeners may know, I live in Newtown, Pennsylvania, a town that's about 45 minutes away from Philadelphia, the birthplace of the United States, the home of the cheesesteak, the Rocky Steps, and also the home of the beloved founding father, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin believed an investment in knowledge pays the best interest and early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. The Cashflow Ninja have aligned itself with partners that aims to empower you to be healthy, wealthy and wise. Our healthy partner on it provides supplements, nutrient dense and earth grown foods and fitness equipment to help you achieve your next level of well-being and total human optimization. Our listeners can get a 10% 10% discount with coupon code get on it at cashflowninjahealth.com. Our wealthy partner Fundrise gives everyone the opportunity to invest directly in high quality real estate without the middlemen. Fundrise makes the process of investing in the highest quality commercial real estate from around the country simple, efficient, and transparent. You can get started with as little as $1,000 and you do not have to be an accredited investor to participate in some of their offerings. You can check them out at Cashflow Ninja Wealth. Dot com. And also, don't forget our wise partner, Audible. You can download any audiobook for free when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audiobook download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. If you want to support the show, you can do so by doing your Amazon shopping through our homepage at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Amazon. It doesn't cost you a single cent more and it supports our show. And as we're headed into the holiday season, we really appreciate your support. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Cashflow Ninja podcast with your host, MC Lobsher. You must be prepared to ignite. Dinesh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey as an entrepreneur? For sure. Um, I started out, uh, I didn't come to entrepreneurship naturally. Um, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, um, it kind of became the only option. I, I started out studying uh, primary sciences, fundamental sciences, biochemistry and psychology, neuroscience. I was going to go be a doctor, like, you know, every I think good East Indian boy thinks about. Um, and then at some point I decided, you know what, this wasn't for me after I'd finished my bachelor's and, and, you know, needed to do something and graduate research wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I found a couple of friends who were, uh, who were starting something up and that in the technology world. And this was in the early mid nineties. And at that time I make the joke, uh, if you could, Spell HTML, you could get a job in technology. So I guess right place, right time, I was able to get into an early stage startup. And then from there, as I say, the rest is history. I started and built multiple companies, uh, three successful exits. Uh, and I'm currently um, on uh, about to do my fourth um, company. So it's been a very fun and interesting ride. Now, let's talk about your current company, Macadamian. Can you please share with my listeners what value you provide to the marketplace? Sure. So, Macadamian is a design and development um, company based in Canada with offices in Canada, the United States, and Armenia and Romania. Uh, we are a design-driven technology firm. So, we have roughly 200 employees and are um, really looking at starting from the 
blast from a customer experience and user experience perspective to create innovative, um, intuitive um, applications for a variety of you know big name, um, big name brand technology companies, um, most of whom you would interact with on a daily basis. So we're we're kind of underneath the covers um, for a lot of uh, the mobile applications and web applications that people use every day. Now, let's jump into the sales side of it because nothing happens until something is sold, right? (laughs) So uh, let's look at structuring a sales organization that drives growth, one of your specialties and that you've done successfully. Can you share with my listeners how to create the sales infrastructure through implementing tools and processes that are aligned with strategic priorities? Sure. So the um, the nature of sales is it's some somewhat some part science, some part art, and in in different types of selling environments, you know the distribution will be uh, will be different. In a product company, typically what you will find is uh, sales goes through a set of stages. The first stage is kind of the founder selling um, or entrepreneur selling their services, value proposition, whatever it is. Um, you know, by you know, beating, you know, banging on doors themselves, and they're able to just through their passion and knowledge and and um, you know, pure hustle, are able to uh, advance their business. And you know, that's kind of the first you know generation of sales. I, I, I call that kind of Clint Eastwood, good, bad, and ugly type of, of uh, um, type of salesperson. And then you pass from that stage as your business gets a little bit bigger, um, you get into a kind of a second stage where now you have a small core team. Maybe the founder is still a big part of that. You might have a couple of technical people, a marketing person. And these folks together are still incredibly talented, but don't have a standardized process necessarily. They're working a lot on gut instinct and just the collaboration and the creativity of the team. And that's the second major sales as a stage of sales and and you know if you want to continue along the analogy that's that's the magnificent seven idea there's you know a movie just came out around that and then you get to the stage where i think you're you're at scale where science starts to take over from the art and that's that's when you actually are building out a sales team you might be around five or six sales people all the way up to you know some of my teams were 30 plus sales people uh and the goal here is you know you take a, you lose some of the creativity, some of the art, and you replace it with some of the science and you know, tools like uh, Salesforce, uh, Microsoft Dynamics, uh, Sugar CRM. If you're you know in earlier on and you don't want to pay the big bucks for the other two systems, along with um, along with marketing automation tools, and then a ver- a great customer validated sales process and. A big part of the customer validated sales process is that you are validating it along the pa- um, parameters of how customers buy, as opposed to how you want to sell. Most sales VPs, founders say, "Here's how I want to sell. I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to send a proposal, and I want to." And frankly, you know, that's great, but customers don't buy that way. Customers have a completely different way of evaluating your technology, your value proposition, your product, your service, whatever it is, and. And you need to understand how your customer buys. And once you understand how your customer buys, you then structure your sales process to dovetail nicely with progressive building of trust. Um, and there's some great models out there around how, how, how to do this. You know, usually it starts, the first step is awareness. 
So your first step of your sales process would be to build awareness. And then there's some sort of investigation phase, some sort of trust phase. Then there's some sort of, um, you know, commercial or pricing phase, uh, sorry, discovery, then pricing. And then from there, after you get to pricing, then you get to contracts. And there's lots of different permutations around that. But the idea is, is you've got those stages and now you have systems, tools, processes, um, technology, um, uh, sales, uh, sales documentation, uh, all that tied to that specific stage. And only as much as you need to get that customer to that gate point where they go, yes, I now am aware of you, I understand you, I've investigated you, I understand where you stand next to your, to your competitors, I trust you, I think you're the right partner for me, um, you understand me, and you understand the project, I understand the pricing and I see value in the pricing, I want to contract with you and I want to do business with you, right? And so that's a key part of the selling process. Founders and entrepreneurs taking the time to really dig into that and work with their prospects and clients to build out that will create at-scale revenue creation and at-scale enterprise value creation. And that's very interesting because we've never had a public or consumers or even if it's business-to-business sales that you're involved with um, we've never had such an informed client, prospective client and customer because of all the information that's out there. Now, sticking with sales, very, very important, as you've mentioned, too, is by creating awareness. There's a lot of social strategies and, and obviously uh, media strategies out there. Can you share some of the strategies that you've used to create a social selling machine that delivers the results and that also alerts you when market conditions are changing? Because, I mean, it's continuously changing today, right? Of course, um, yeah. So that you yeah. can make adjustments. The, the, your social selling approach is only going to be as good as socially aware your salespeople are, right? And you know, a lot of companies, you know, they put in these, you know, Twitter system, Twitter-based systems or, or other like, um, uh, you know, Radiant 6 is an example. There's lots of these tools out there that mine the web for data on customers. Um, uh, Insight Squared, I think, is another. And, uh, and what they do is, is that they, they then pass them on to a salesperson who isn't active on social media, isn't a socially active, uh, I mean, a, in, in, in social and the technology context. Um, um, uh, uh, aware individual. And so what happens is all of that money, all of that thinking, all of that work just basically goes and sits on a shelf. So the very first thing you need to decide is um, you need to look at the people, the people who are executing for you every day and see if this is something that they're going to embrace, that they're going to be interested in following up on, they're going to be passionate about. If the answer is no, which I think for a lot of companies it will be no, um, especially if they have a little bit older sales force or, you know, guys like me in their 40s, um, you know, they're, they're going to go, hmm, um, you know, this, I'm, I would delay spending the money until you build out another team. It's great if you can find a social selling team and you can build a small, a team could be one person initially, right? And it's a person who is responsible for actively reaching out on Twitter um, to prospects, following um, folks, if, if you're in the business of, 
of um, like from where I am in entrepreneurship, you know, going out and following all the major VCs and and angel angel groups, and I looking at and looking at their followers and having um, direct message conversations over Twitter with them, sending out content with them, and you know, concentrating that in a single individual who's passionate about social. And then the leads that come out of that will then get transferred to your sales team to work through their more traditional sales process. If you have a team that is like young team, maybe an inside sales team, um, and there are, and those are highly social, giving them a set of telling them to spend time to build out their individual social profiles is the best way to leverage social media for, um, for the benefit of sales and revenue generation. The more interesting you are on social media, the more likely your clients and your prospects will want to engage with your salespeople, the more likely those will convert into leads and business. No, and that ties into my next question on as far as influencing and a thought leadership campaign, because as you've just mentioned, if people see that you're posting interesting and valuable information and you're already adding value for them, they begin to know, like, and trust you, right? What are some of the, the ideas that you can share as far as uh, information marketing and building a thought leadership campaign to perform targeted marketing that leads to a higher conversion rate? Great question. And the big mistake I think most folks make is that they, their thought leadership campaign is focused on them. So they, oh, talking about me, um, talking about my company, talking about all my successes. The fact of the matter is that, frankly, nobody cares. Um, you know, people on social media don't need to hear your most recent press release. Uh, you know, that's not what they're... That's not what those, that's not what, that's not a community, that's not a conversation. That is just, you know, propaganda. And a big part of your thought leadership campaign has to be about delivering content that is valuable to your audience. So you need to think like your MSNBC or think like your CBS or any of the major kind of broadcasters, because you are kind of like that. And look at your audience and say, what does this audience care about? What does this audience want? Um, to engage with, and based on, and how can I use that uh, that content to d drive trust with my brand um, and my people, and um, then you know underestimate your ability to deliver against it. So everybody is super ambitious, and they go, "Oh, I'm going to do you know four tweets a day, or I'm going to do one white paper a week." And you know the fact is, is you can you can maintain that kind of cadence. Uh, most companies can maintain it for a short period, but lack the will and fortitude to maintain it for the long period. Marketing is all about reach and distribution, and so you really need to be committed, whatever the cadence is, to do it for a year. Allocate the resources to do it for a year. Do whatever you're going to do. Don't like, don't don't uh, don't try to set an expectation of frequency and then let it fall off because all the money you spent to get there will be completely wasted. No, and that's a very that's a lesson that I learned as well. Um, just as far as my podcast and my show, because I love uh, speaking with guests such as yourself, and I share my guests' content that I find valuable. Because 
um, I look at my guests as mentors to me. So I go on their websites, I look at the content that they're out, and I love to share that with with my audience. And that's what my audience craves and what what they want just through through conversations with them. So that's definitely a value, very valuable lesson, and a very good point you just made. Now you've successfully built and managed productive teams too. And as far as building teams, this is a very, very uh, important and valuable skill. Can you share some of your secrets of how you have gone and built productive teams? This, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, this is what's something that's more art than science. And if I, if I were to, you know, have a set of, of, uh, uh, road, like, um, uh, road posts around it, I would start with values. So in order to get a team that will be productive together, it's not about competence. Um, so competence will come in. It starts out with a values match. So when you sit down with your team, your individuals or your, your adding individuals to the team, understand what makes them tick. What are their values? And this sometimes will mean going slow initially to go fast. Uh, one of my early mentors um, made the statement, which I've tried to stick to my whole life, which is hire slow, fire fast. And, um, you know, for anybody joining my team, I will often, you know, have multiple meetings with them, go for coffee with them, have dinner with them, uh, understand their values. And I want to be talking to you for almost six months before I'll consider you for my team. Now, this won't be possible for all your roles, right? If you have a frontline sales role that needs to be staffed, well, you know what? You've just got to staff it. You can't waste months but in your in, inner circle as an entrepreneur the team that's going to be working with you to build this thing this vision this passion you have out go slow first identify what makes them tick make sure this is the kind of person you would bring home to your family um, that you know is somebody you're going to be able to um, live uh, with and enjoy spending time with it doesn't mean you have to be friends but it does mean that you have to be um, you have to be simpatical. You have to be able to talk the same language and trust each other's motivation. So values match one. Number two, then, is a say-do gap. Um, most, a lot of folks have, will say a lot of things. You know, I'll do this or I'll do this or this thing or that thing. And eventually, um, a percentage, everybody's the same, a percentage of what you commit to doing actually gets done. And productive teams have a very small say-do gap. They are able to, whatever they say, you know, a very high percentage of it gets done. It doesn't mean that they agree to doing everything. And in some cases, it means that a lot of times they do very, a lot less than they say a lot, they're going to do a lot less than other teams. And what I've found is teams that are critical and disciplined about when I say it, it is done. Uh, those are teams that can be incredibly productive because uh, you're constantly moving forward without ever questioning each other. And then the third thing is heterogeneity. It's really important that you don't try to staff your team with people like you. This is a mistake a lot of um, CEOs and founders do is, you know, if I'm really successful and I know that I can, you know, kill this thing, if I find five of me, I'm going to be even five times more successful just simply not true. What ends up happening is you get, you get way overweight in one set of skills and disciplines and attitudes and you're completely underweight in everything else. So what I try to do is I try to build in, once the first two um, principles are met, uh, teams that have individuals that have you know, drastically different outlooks on the same problem. 
So, you know, there will always be an, a- an analytical person on the team, somebody who, you know, just, you know, refuses to accept intuition and wants the data. There will always be somebody who's entirely people-focused on the team and looking at the people dimension of, of, the, of the story and striving and driving for that. Um, there's, there's, a few, there's often, you know, the creative visionary types, the big picture types. Um, and, you know, then there's the communicators, the folks that can take any idea, collapse it to its, you know, most, you know, essence and then turn it into a format that can be communicated to anybody. You need all of these disciplines and to find them in, in one individual is very challenging and um, may result in, you know, you taking forever. So just take the time to make sure that you have all of these skill sets um, and, and perspectives on your team and then respect them. Don't steamroll them because a lot of CEOs will do is they'll use their perspective and they'll go and get these voices onto the team. But when they raise them, they'll get steamrolled because it slows us down. And we don't want to get slowed down. We've got to get it done. So when one of your team members raises it, make sure you take the time to work through it. And it's not about consensus building, but it is about um, alignment. And those are different things. No, absolutely. So aligning the interests of the organization straight through the the whole entire organization through incentive planning is also uh, extremely key. Can you uh, delve into this a little bit of how you achieve this and also from uh, having the interests align and from a compensation standpoint, how do you know if you're uh, rewarding employees enough or too little? It's very, very hard to know for sure. Um, The simplest measure of knowing for sure is are people staying or are people leaving? Um, I'm a a really fast-tax, simple guy. And so if my my voluntary, involuntary turnover is greater than, you know, five, six percent, that's when I know I've got got it wrong. And, you know, incentives are more than than monetary compensation. And uh, you, I've had the benefit of working in smaller companies you know, the largest company I worked for had 300 employees. And so, you know, you have a lot of power and control that you may not have in a large multinational, for example. Um, but I, I, I really think that compensation should be structured um, by, by, as a conversation between, uh, incentive, sorry, should be structured as a conversation between a manager and an employee. And you should give your managers and employees flexibility to design compensation so that that key individual is um, is compensated in such a way that they're super excited and passionate to come to work every, every day, and you know that could be everything from work from home. It could be daycare. It could be um, you know a benefits program. Um, it might be you know salary. It might be bonuses. It, it, there's there's a lot of different variables. But what I've discovered though is often it's much cheaper to keep people happy than you think if you ask them what makes a difference for them, um, you can often do it in ways that are a lot cheaper than writing a bigger check every two weeks. Um, and then, you know, are you paying too much? Well, frankly, I just don't think that happens very much. I think we're, there's so much natural resistance against overpaying people that I, I, I rarely even worry about that. I, I almost always worry about the fact that am I getting value for this from this Person. Is this a good match? Am I getting all the possible value I can get out of this out of this uh, employee? And that's um, if, if the answer to that is no, well then that's the conversation to have. How can we generate more value together for this business? 
No, very, very important. And uh, just a point that I want to highlight too, and we've talked about it in the show too, is everybody's currency is different, especially when you're networking yeah. and meeting with other other people. So it's very important to learn the currency of people that you network with and then also within your organization and your team. Now, Dinesh, as an entrepreneur and investor, we face adversity and it's not always rainbows and unicorns. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned and the best advice you've gotten on your journey? Two things stick with me very closely. Uh, one is life is unfair, right? And so a big part of um, the challenge around adversity is we expect things to go well. One of the things that I did early in my career was I stopped expecting things to go well. And wow, did that suddenly make my life a lot easier. If you, It's not that you're paranoid and that you're trying to, you know, look for the look in the shadows and you know you're always you're always kind of you know a glum just don't expect it don't budget don't expect don't uh you know release a product thinking it's going to be a you know a huge success in the first gen just just control your expectation to go it's not supposed to go well right? right and if it does go well awesome that's that's upside right but it's not supposed to go well so i am prepared to do the work and that's the corollary is I am prepared to do the work. And then when things go wrong, you just come back to, I'm prepared to do the work. And then we plow and we plow and we plow and we put our shoulders down and we just keep the feet churning and doesn't matter what happens. You just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Don't stop. And um, what that has, that's made a big difference because you don't get the emotional swings that you get if you expected something to go well and it didn't go well. Um, so that's lesson number one is life is unfair and, you know, keep plowing. Lesson number two is the fact that um, enjoy every little success because this is not about the destination. It's about the journey. And I, I, I've built a couple of, you know, a bunch of companies and I can, I will continue building companies. My wife makes a joke. She goes, I'm going to find you in your home office slumped over at 90 years old and you'll be, you'll still be on, you'll just be, had a heart attack while doing a sales call. And the reason is you have to love what you're doing every day and do it because you love doing it today, not because of some magical, you know, paycheck uh, three, five, ten years from now. Love it for today, you know, experience it today. Use the money and the fame and all the other things as a way of keeping score. But at the end of the day, like, be in the moment and don't try to think too much about, um, you know, you know, all the Ferraris and, you know, houses in Monaco. No, great advice. Now, Dinesh, one habit that I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skills. What are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently learning? I'm really focused on personal branding. Uh, one of the things that I think is a fundamental change in how work and value will be created in the future is in the past, companies have created value. Uh, you know, you, you create a company brand, and then you hire people into it, and they're, you know, they have a job for life or for five years or ten years, whatever the number is. The numbers are getting shorter. But in the future, I think if I look at my kids, my grandkids, and even now, I see it. I'm seeing the the the, the hints of it. Um, individuals, individuals are going to be the new the new company, and you'll have these very loose networks of 
individuals who, just like you, who have a micro brand but are generating a ton of value. And the more focus you spend on building your personal brand, your personal currency, as you've described it, that that's going to be the you know the new 401k, the new retirement plan. And wealth will be created by individuals who are able to um, define what it is they provide to the marketplace, and then communicate that and then consistently deliver it. And it won't be companies, but these small, loose networks of individuals around a personal brand that are going to drive wealth creation in the future. No, I couldn't agree with you more, definitely. Uh, now, Dinesh, a core message in our show is to leave our families and communities and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and you were only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? The first I would, I would um, pass on, and I do this with my own kids, is begin with an abundance ma- mindset. Uh, most of our evolution as humans, uh, you know, we've had this scarcity mindset, the mindset that if whatever we can take for ourselves you know, there's, there's a finite amount of resource out there. We have to take as much as we possibly can for ourselves. And because of that scarcity mindset, the net zero, what I, I win, you lose mindset, we have had a lot of violence and, and ha- unhappiness in the world. So let's start with an abundance mindset. We're creating wealth and value at a rate like we've never seen before. There's no end in sight uh, for, what, for what will be created from technology and people. So start there. The pie is ever-growing. Um, you know, feel free to cut yourself as big a slice as you want because there's lots for everybody. So that's message number one. Message number two is uh, you are part of a community. And that's a big part of uh, why I do calls like this, you know, your podcast, is because, you know, I believe that we, I am part of a community of entrepreneurs. I had the great blessings and fortune to have entrepreneurs help me early in my career, mentor me, support me, um, and give me, you know, give me the guidance and sometimes kicks that I needed to get to where I am today. And there's a requirement for all of us to recognize that being part of a community means giving back to that community. You don't have to necessarily give money, though money's nice. Time is really good as well, um, and as is your knowledge. We all have currency, as you said. Sharing that currency, that wealth with your community um, is a key um, measure of the kind of person you are going to be. So that's number two. And then number three is recognize that, you know, there is a higher purpose. Whether you believe in God or some other sort of form, recognize that there is a higher purpose to our lives beyond the activities we do on a day-to-day basis and try to find that purpose for yourself and maximize it. And when you maximize your purpose, um, you will maximize the value you create for yourself, your family, and your community. Now, Dinesh, for my listeners out there that's on their journey as investors and entrepreneurs, are there any books that you would recommend? Oh, the list is really, really long. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'll, let, me, let me start with um, a uh, – I'm a process systems guy. So start by reading a book every month. It doesn't honestly matter what the book is as long as it's a business book. Reading a book every month. And then of the books that you read, pick one to keep permanently on your, um, on your bookshelf and reread. Uh, a lot of folks try to find new ideas uh, when most of the time what I've found is 
successful execution of key ideas that that uh, resonate with you is far more effective than trying, you know, your book of the week. So, but you need a good enough sample set in order to be able to find those key ideas. Um, so that so that's one is reread the books that you real that really resonate with you. A uh, couple of books I've read recently that are very um, good for entrepreneurs are um, Hard Things About Hard Things. Uh, that's um, by uh, Ben Horowitz of um, of the VC uh, firm Andreessen Horowitz. Um, another one is um, um, Essentialism. I think that's a phenomenal book. And Execution, uh, which is another great book uh, um, that um, speaks to how to get things done. No, I enjoyed Essentialism too. And I do resonate with uh, your earlier statement because I can. there's two books that I read every year. And I always find new ideas by reading the exact same two books, and that's Think and Grow Rich and Rich Dad Poor Dad. So, yeah, phenomenal <laughs> book. Phenomenal. Yeah. And those should be on everybody's list. Everybody's list. Yeah, so I definitely understand what you mean. Now, Dinesh, how can my audience learn more about you and your company and all of the projects that you're involved with? The easiest way to get a hold of me um, is through LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm LinkedIn. I'm Dinesh K at work. Uh, LinkedIn.com front slash in front slash uh, Dinesh K at work. Twitter, uh, Dinesh K at work. I have a, I'm on clarity.fm and one of my missions uh, for this year is to um, generate um, at least $5,000 for charity on clarity.fm. So, you know, if you are interested in having a call with me on clarity, we can talk through your business and any of the uh, funds that I earn on Clarity, I donate 100% to, uh, to charity. So it's an opportunity, again, to live out that principle of, um, of you, know, do, you know, living out your purpose, but at the same time contributing to the community. So on Clarity, you can find me, clarity.fm, front slash Dinesh K at work. Uh, any of those mechanisms, my website is dineshk.co. Feel free to uh, reach out there to learn more about me. Fantastic. Well, Dinesh, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and your message with my audience. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and had a blast. Me too. It was great. Uh, You're a phenomenal interviewer. I liked your questions a lot. Thanks, Dinesh. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book Becoming Your Own Banker Thank you for joining me and my guest Dinesh Kandanchada on the Cashflow Ninja podcast today If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja please subscribe, rate and review our show on iTunes and share our show with friends, family and your network I really have been humbled by your support, guys, and feedback. I get weekly emails from you, and it really inspires me to just try and provide even more value every single week for you guys. If there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, 
please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. And also don't forget to take advantage of the offers from our partners that aims to empower you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Our healthy partner on it provides supplements, nutrient-dense, and earth-grown foods and fitness equipment to help you achieve your next level of well-being and total human optimization. Our listeners can get a 10% discount with coupon code GETONIT at CashflowNinjaHealth.com. Our wealthy partner, Fundrise, gives everyone the opportunity to invest directly in high-quality real estate without the middlemen. Fundrise makes the process of investing in the highest-quality commercial real estate from around the country simple, efficient, and transparent. You can get started with as little as $1,000, and you do not have to be an accredited investor to participate in some of their offerings. You can check them out at CashflowNinjaWealth.com. And our wise partner, Audible, offers a free audiobook download when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audiobook download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.